Welcome to another episode of From the Depths with Dr. Shimon Blau, based on Rabbi Ephraim Ashri's Shilas Echuvis Mimamikim, Questions and Responsa from the Depths. Some episodes in this series may not be appropriate for young children. Listener discretion is advised. Rabbi Ashri was asked the following question. During the days of imprisonment in the Kovno Ghetto, there was no link to the outside world, and because of this, they were unable to get Tashmishe Kedusha, different things that were used for mitzvah purposes, such as mezuzos and tefillin. Mezuzos refers to the parchments inscribed with religious texts, which are attached in a case to doorposts in Jewish homes. He was approached by several people with tears on their cheeks, asking what to do because their mezuzos had become puzzled, they had become invalid, and it was impossible for them to get new ones. Rabbi Ashri writes that the crux of the question really was whether or not homes in the ghetto required a mezuzah at all. The reason for this was because they were trapped in the ghetto and it was nearly impossible to get into or out of the ghetto, given that the ghetto was surrounded by electrified barbed wire fence as well as armed guards. Being that that was the case, they were essentially prisoners. So the question boils down to whether or not mezuzos would be required in a jail cell. Rabbi Yashri begins his response by quoting from the Rambam from Maimonides in the sixth chapter of Hilchos Mezuzah, Halacha Aleph, where the Rambam writes that there are ten requirements that must be met in order for a house to be obligated to have a mezuzah. The ten requirements are as follows. The house has to be at least four amos by four amos, which is four cubits by four cubits or more. It has to have two doorposts. It has to have a lintel. It has to have a roof, doors. The entrance has to be at least ten tfachim high, ten handbreadths high. The dwelling cannot be consecrated, meaning it can't belong to hektish, to the temple treasury. And these are the two that are applicable to the discussion at hand. He says, v'asoy l'diras kavod, v'asoy l'diras kava. It has to be intended to be used for a dignified dwelling, and it has to be used as a permanent dwelling. In Halacha Tess, in the same chapter, the Rambam gives us examples. He states that a bathroom, a bathhouse, a mikvah, or a tannery, or anything similar to them, are putter from mezuzah, are not obligated in mezuzah, because those are not things which are considered a dignified dwelling. A sukkah, on sukkahs, or a house built on a ship, are also putter, are also not obligated in mezuzah, because those are things which are not diras kava, they are not permanent dwellings. Looking at those last two requirements, the requirement that the home has to be made to be a dignified dwelling, and it also has to be made to be a permanent dwelling, Rabbi Yashri first looks and examines the first requirement, that it be made as a dignified dwelling. He states that the fact that the Rambam doesn't mention this in the examples that he gives could be that he meant to exclude it. However, he says the fact that the Rambam wrote Kiyoti Behem, anything which is similar to a bathroom, to a bathhouse, to a mikvah, might mean that a jail is also included in this because it's not made to be a dignified dwelling. If we look at that second criteria, the fact that it has to be permanent, a jail cell would also seem to be excluded because anybody who's imprisoned wishes that he could get out. He doesn't want it to be permanent. Likewise, in the ghetto, says Rabbi Yashri, every room was packed with people more than the rooms could essentially handle, and there were beds piled one upon the other. Definitely, living a lifestyle like this, says Rabbi Yashri, would not be considered permanent. At the first opportunity, everyone would try to leave such living conditions, and therefore, the living conditions that existed in the ghetto should not be considered permanent. To prove his point further, Rabbi Yashri states that the Jews living in the ghetto never knew when their time would come. The Germans would take people out at whim to kill them. Every day when people would take leave of each other, they would say in Yiddish, of Vedersen in Yennervelt, see you in the next world, because they had no idea whether or not they would ever see each other again alive. He states that a standard ghetto joke was, we're really dead men on vacation. That was the degree to which people weren't sure of their lives. This is further proof to why the ghetto should be considered a non-permanent living situation and therefore not obligated in mezuzah. 
With all this being said, says Rabbi Ashri, the question of whether or not a jail would require a mezuzah or not might be dependent on the Gemara on the Talmud in Yuma Daf Yud Amid Aleph 10a. The Gemara there says as follows, the rabbis taught on a brisa that all of the chambers in the temple complex had no mezuzah affixed to the doorposts except for one. That was the Parhedron chamber. That was the name of this specific chamber, and the reason why it had a mezuzah was because it served as a dwelling place for the Kohen Gadol during the week before Yom Kippur. Rabbi Yehuda objected to this and stated that there were several other chambers in the temple that served as dwelling places and still had no mezuzah. Rather, the reason why the Lishchas Parhedron, the Parhedron chamber, had a mezuzah was because there was a special rabbinic decree for this. The Gemara goes on to explain the reasons behind the disagreement between the rabbis and Rabbi Yehuda as follows. The rabbis held that an enforced residence, such as when the Kohen Gadol was duty-bound to live in the Parhedron chamber the week before Yom Kippur, is considered a residence. In the words of the Gemara, it says, Dira bal karcha shmei dira. An enforced residence is considered a residence and therefore would be required in a mezuzah. Whereas Rabbi Yehuda held that an enforced residence is not considered a residence, Dirabal Korchaloshme Dira, and it was only a rabbinic decree that obligated the Parhedron chamber to have a mezuzah in order that people should not say that the Kohen Gadol is being locked up in jail. Now, we rule, like the majority opinion of the rabbis, that an enforced living quarters is considered a residence and therefore would be required in a mezuzah. Likewise, based on this, a jail should require a mezuzah, and the same argument could be made that homes in the ghetto should also have required a mezuzah. To dispel this notion, Rabbi Yashri points out that there might be a big difference between a jail and the Lishchas Parhedjan, the Parhedjan chamber. The rabbis who hold that a dira bal karcha shmei dira, an enforced residence is still considered a residence and would be obligated in a mezuzah, hold this opinion only with regards to the Parhedjan chamber and things that are similar to it because they were made to be a dignified dwelling. This was the other condition that was previously mentioned. Granted, the Kohen Gadol might be forced to live in the Lishchas Parhedjan. However, it was made as a dignified dwelling. In a situation where the dwelling was not made as a dignified dwelling, such as a jail, even the rabbis might agree that such a dwelling might not be required to have a mezuzah. A proof to this can be brought from the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Once again, Rabbi Yehuda held that an enforced residence is not considered a residence and therefore is not obligated in a mezuzah. However, there was a special decree with regards to the Parhedron chamber requiring a mezuzah there so that people should not say that the Kohen Gadol is being jailed. His entire reason for requiring a mezuzah is so that people should not say that he's being jailed and the clear implication is that if there was no mezuzah, people would think that he's in a jail. The rabbis did not disagree with Rabbi Yehuda on this point specifically. Rather, they felt that the reason why the Lishchas Parhedjan, the Parhedjan chamber, had a mezuzah was because an enforced residence is considered a residence and is required in a mezuzah. But on the reasoning of Rabbi Yehuda that people would think that the Kohen Gadol is in jail, that's not something that the rabbis disagreed with him on. The rabbis held that nobody would confuse the Parhedjan chamber for a jail and that there was no reason why such a rabbinic decree would have to be made at all. Rather, the reason for the rabbis must be, like Rabbi Yashri explained, that they hold that an enforced residence is considered a residence, and because it's made as a dignified living quarters, it would require a mezuzah. However, a jail, which is not made as a dignified living place, would not require a mezuzah. However, says Rabbi Yashri, this raises another question. There is a commandment to set up Are Miklat, cities of refuge in the land of Israel. These were cities where people could run to and live in if they killed somebody accidentally. They were actually required to live in one of these cities of refuge until the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, passed away. The question is that somebody who is living in an Ir Miklat in one of these cities of refuge is not supposed to be honored in any way. If he is presented with some sort of honor, he is required to actually say, Rotayachani, I killed someone. He's obligated to let them know that he's living in one of these cities of refuge. Based on this, houses in the cities of refuge should also not be required in a mezuzah because they're not made to be dignified dwellings. However, nowhere do we find that a house in an Ir Miklat in one of these cities of refuge 
does not require a mezuzah. Therefore, there must be a difference in that the houses in the Ari Miklat are not similar to a bathroom or a bathhouse where their entire being is not for any sort of respectable living. In fact, the houses in the Ari Miklat were made to be like any other houses, just that somebody was obligated to stay within the confines of these cities. Similarly, somebody who finds himself under house arrest is not suddenly exempt from having a mezuzah. Now, says Rabbi Yashri, somebody can make the argument that a prison should be similar to a house in the Ir Miklat in the city of refuge in that it would not require a mezuzah. As far as the Rambam's requirement that in order to be obligated in a mezuzah, the dwelling has to be a permanent dwelling, a diras keva, he states that there are many people who are confined to jail for months, if not years at a time. And this should be no different than somebody who rents an apartment for several months or years at a time. In those situations, it's clearly still considered a diras keva, a permanent dwelling, and would require a mezuzah. And if somebody would argue that being in jail is against the person's will, we've already established that the halacha follows the opinion of the rabbis who held that a dira bal karchash may dira, that a dwelling place, a residence, against somebody's will is still considered a dwelling place. Furthermore, he states that the Rambam himself, that Maimonides himself, does not include that the dwelling place has to be voluntary and not against somebody's will as one of his ten conditions for acquiring a mezuzah. Rabbi Yashri then quotes from a couple of other rabbis who discussed this question, including the Bercha Yosef, which was written by Rabbi Chaim Yosef David Azulai, the Chidah, as well as Shalas Echuvis Shar Ephraim, which was written by the Chacham Tzvi, Rabbi Tzvi Ashkenazi, who both addressed the question of whether or not a jail would require a mezuzah, and he states that they leaned towards saying that a jail cell would not be required to have a mezuzah. However, he states that from the glosses there, it seems that they may have actually held that there would be a responsibility to have a mezuzah on a, a jail cell. However, he states that their opinion was that if somebody's in jail for a short period of time, for example, around two months or so, that would definitely be considered diras arai, a temporary dwelling and not a permanent dwelling and would definitely not require a mezuzah. Based on all of this, says Rabbi Ashri, life in the ghetto was filled with such uncertainty because every single day the Nazis could take out tens if not hundreds of Jews to kill them. Nobody knew when his time would come to be let out of the ghetto to be killed. This was definitely considered diras arai, a temporary dwelling and not a permanent dwelling. The goals of the Nazis were to kill as many Jews as possible. Given such uncertainty, Rabbi Yashri ruled that there was no question that the homes in the ghetto were not required to have a mezuzah. Rabbi Yashri concludes by stating that somebody who did have access to a mezuzah and wished to affix it to his door certainly fulfilled a mitzvah commanded by doing so. And he quoted the Talmud in Tractate Menachos 43b where Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov stated the following, Whoever has to fill in upon his head and upon his arm, tzitzis upon his garment and a mezuzah upon his doorway, there is a complete presumption that he will not sin. As it states in Ecclesiastes 4.12, and a three-ply cord is not easily severed. And it further states in Psalms 34.8, the angel of Hashem encamps around his reverent ones and he rescues them. Similarly, it states in Tractate Shabbos 32b that somebody who is careful with regards to the mitzvah of mezuzah is granted a long life. This is based on the juxtaposition of the verse in Deuteronomy 11.20, which states, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your home. And immediately following this, it is written in verse 21, in order to prolong your days and the days of your children. However, states Rabbi Yashri, one who does wish to affix a mezuzah to the door of his home in the ghetto should not make the bracha, should not make the blessing that is traditionally made when affixing the mezuzah, because ma'ikar adin, according to the strict letter of the law, the home is not really obligated in having the mezuzah in the first place. Thus concludes Rabbi Yashri's response. While learning this, a thought came to mind with regards to a possible svara, a possible line of reasoning, with regards to why a jail cell would actually not require a mezuzah, unlike some of the other examples that Rabbi Yashri discusses in his response. Some of those examples included the special chamber that the Kohen Gadol had to live in for a week before Yom Kippur, as well as a home in an Ir Miklat, 
in a city of refuge. Unlike these examples, I would argue that with regards to a jail cell, somebody who's incarcerated can be moved from one cell to another at the whim of his jailers, which would give it an extra level of impermanent dwelling and therefore would not require it to a mezuzah, unlike those other cases. Similarly, Rabbi Avram Bornstein, the first Sakhashev Rebbe and the author of Avni Nezer, ruled that somebody who is subject to a prolonged hospitalization would not require a mezuzah on the door of his hospital room for this very reason, because his room can be changed at any moment at the whim of the hospital. This would not change Rabbi Yashri's final psak, his final ruling on the question, but for intellectual purposes is worth noting. I'd like to conclude with a personal story. Many years ago when I was in medical school in the early 1990s, we were required to do a one-week rotation in a hospice. And this was at the tail end of the AIDS epidemic. So it was very sad because there were several young people uh, in the hospice at the time. I had the great fortune of meeting somebody who I would refer to as righteous among the Gentiles. There was an elderly woman that basically ran the hospice. This was a Catholic hospice. And she introduced herself as a sister. She was a nun. I didn't recognize her as a nun right away because she had um, on regular clothing. She was not wearing the typical uh, nun's habit. And as I got to know her, I really was quite amazed. Uh, she had learned Hebrew, how to read and write Hebrew, so that she could say prayers with her Jewish patients. In addition, she showed me a drawer where she had several mezuzos. And she explained to me that whenever there was a Jewish patient in the hospice, she would make sure to remove all signs of any crosses, and she would put up a mezuzah on their door. The doorposts were metallic, and the mezuzahs were affixed via a magnet, so it was easy to put them up or take them down. I'd like to dedicate this episode in her memory. May her memory be for a blessing among the righteous. This has been From the Depths with Dr. Shimon Blau. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to hear further episodes. Music by Dexter Britton. 